Welcome to Kapwa Conversations, a podcast that amplifies the voices of Filipino, Philippinex folks in the health and wellness space. We use the indigenous wisdom of Kapwa, or shared inner self, to connect, inspire, and remember that we are all connected. If you enjoy this episode, please give us a five-star rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show and be in Kapwa together. You can also help spread the word by sharing today's episode on social media and tagging us on Instagram at kapwa.yoga. Without any further ado, here's today's conversation. On today's show, we have Steph Chung. Steph is all about intensity. Off the bike, she's accustomed to high intensity interval training and circuit training. Workouts that she believes only yield results as great as the effort that is put into them. Steph leads each class with the utmost level of intensity and resistance while having equally as much fun. Always hoping to push and inspire her riders to approach each class to the best of their abilities, Steph pairs her workouts with the classic no pain, no gain mentality. Welcome to the show, Steph. Hey, Paul, what's up? Thanks for having me. Yeah, how are you? I'm good. I think we're all just trying to get by given um, the situation since March 11, 2020. I know. Yeah. And so the time of this recording is the end of September. So I'm wondering how quarantine is looking there in Manila. Well, right now we're still in general community quarantine. So a lot of businesses have opened up for fitness. um, They started opening up around this month. Well, end of last month, but mostly this month, they had to kind of get into the groove of things. But basically, they're allowed to open at 30% capacity. I'm not sure if it's the same um, in New York. How is it over there? Yeah, it's the right now, it's currently the same where they can open at 30% capacity. But from what I've seen and the studio that we work out of, they're not open yet because there's a lot of requirements to get to that phase like air filtration and all the rooms and that's really the biggest one and then they have to pass a department of health inspection before they can open so it just seems like a lot and for one of my business partners she does she actually does cycling too and she's based out in LA and they opened um, I think it was in June and then they rolled back it was that time when they did the whole roll back because cases were starting to come to rise yeah so yeah they've been doing outdoor classes in their parking lot but (laughs) with the fires and then the summer heat of like a hundred I'm sure it's probably warm there they they aren't really doing that either now yeah I just feel like there's a lot of things going on right now especially when it comes to opening up a studio there are a lot of things you need to take into consideration Um, one would be all of the extra expenses you would have to put in just to operate the studio or put it back on running right Um, like the acrylic barriers the air filtration health inspections and all of that it can be a real hassle to the studio Um, and I feel like we all kind of got into the groove of teaching online 
right? This is now our new normal. So yeah, we've been teaching online since uh, April. Uh, not sure if it's been the same for you, but I feel like that's a whole new territory. We have so much more competition. Yeah, I was going to say, but we did the same thing. And I felt like every studio was kind of doing their own thing. Like there was that one flood of all the free Instagram live classes. And then everyone is figuring out what their platform is. Some of them went on Zoom. Some of them did their own thing. And yeah, even today, as we try to figure out the online world, Yeah, now it feels like you're competing with the whole world because you have one time slot and anyone anywhere can choose to take class with you or not. Exactly, exactly. I feel like that that's what makes it that's what that makes it more scary now. Um like we do have some people who come from different parts of the world or even the Philippines come come try to join our classes. And yeah, I guess that's where it gets a bit scary, like when our Filipino identity really comes in and you're like thinking about, okay, how do I how do I do this class then? How would it be more acceptable to people abroad? Yeah, so this is a very interesting conversation, I think. Yeah. And I'm wondering, I guess there's like a pre and post. I'm wondering what your your life as an instructor in the fitness industry there kind of looked like before the pandemic yeah. happened and what does it look like now? Well, before the pandemic happened, I was teaching about four to five classes a week and at the same time balancing my full-time jobs. So I would go to the office and then I would drive to teach after to the studio. And I felt like that was such a comfortable routine I had going. Um, even like the way I ate was different. I guess the times I ate food was also different. And then now it's just totally shifted. I, I'm teaching about two times a week, um, just two to three times a week now. Um, and with work, yeah, I just, well, I just rendered my resignation because I'm leaving for the UK next week for good. But that's a whole nother Big story. Big moves, yeah. <laughs> Big move, yeah. So I'm not sure if I'll be able to continue teaching with Paragon over there. Um, but I will be having my last two classes this week, one today wow. and one actually on Thursday. It's called The Best of Steph. But there has definitely been a shift. It's been it's been difficult, yeah. But yeah. we're all trying to get by. Yeah. yeah, and what was that turning point, I guess, for you to get into the fitness world? I'm assuming you probably started off as a student and then there must have been some kind of moment where you're like, you know what, I could be in front of the room. Actually, that's a really interesting question. Uh, before I auditioned, I've only went to one cycling class. And that was with a competitor studio, actually. Like, I've never thought I would be teaching cycling or spinning, ever. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, in fact, I felt cardio was something that was such a challenge for me. Um, I mean, I have been playing football for about 11 years in my life. Like, maybe till I was like 18, 19. And then I shifted on to high-intensity workouts. Um, but there was that part in my life, I think that was like 2015 to 17, that I really wasn't into working out. And I started going out a lot, drinking, having fun. And I felt like I wasn't th- thinking about fitness. And then when 2018 came around, that's when I really felt like, okay, I think I need to start dieting. I think I need to start thinking about having abs or looking good, you know, just getting that routine going. And so I started, you know, going back to high intensity workouts, got my fitness first membership in, but I never thought I would be a cycling instructor. 
And then last year, March, a good friend of mine, one of my colleagues now, Aero, reached out to me and was like, hey, I think you should audition. And I was like, audition for what? Well, to be a cycling instructor. Uh, put in your favorite playlist and um, come meet me at the studio. We got the owners there while he tried auditioning. Never oh, thought straight about into it. an audition? <laughs> Yeah, straight into wow. an audition. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to get into. But around that time, the owners were thinking of opening a studio here in Alabang, which is where I'm from. So we have a studio up north in Makati, well, San Juan Makati area. Then we have a studio down south. That's where I live. Uh, so I was considering it. I was like, that would be great. It, it fits my lifestyle. Why don't I try doing it? Audition went crazy bad. Didn't think, you know, cycling to the beat, all of that. The dance moves, didn't think I'd be doing that, but here I am today. And I've been teaching since last year, and it's been the best thing that's happened, honestly. Very interesting. Yeah, I haven't heard a story that is just like falling into kind of just a door opened unexpectedly, and then, yeah, you chose to go into it. Yeah, I feel like it was definitely a path that I knew I would take because music was involved. Like music Mm -hmm. has always been my escape growing up. Like every time I'm sad, I'd go put on Sailing by Christopher Cross and just listen to that all day. Um, But music has been an important aspect in my life. And more so now, like when I'm teaching, I share my music with my students. I make sure that they connect with it. And for me, that is just so important. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely feel you on that because I... I'm not a traditional workout person too. And for me, the my background is in dance and then more, more recently in yoga. And a lot of those styles are very music driven. You're learning choreography to a song or a yoga teacher has this really good playlist that goes with the flow of the class. So yeah, I totally feel you on the importance of music. Like what would you say is your theme or the your style when you make a playlist or a class well definitely i have been playing a lot of um edm well not like hardcore edm but yeah the type of edm that i like it's edm that comes with almost almost like drum and bass i guess Mm. (laughs) where there's not too much lyrics but you put meaning into it by speaking to your students yeah, I feel nice. like that's the type of music. But then I also play some pop music sometimes because you do have to capture the audience. Um, you have to get them to sing along and want to come back. So I try to mix it up a bit. I try to mix it up a lot. Like I'll have hip hop classes or I'll have classes with trending artists, um, TikTok music. You know what I mean, man? <laughs> TikTok music. That's like, that's like the thing now. That's like a big so, shift yeah. too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like last week I had a Doja Cat, Valentino Cat class. So even if it's not music that I don't listen to it on an everyday basis or daily basis, I still play it for my students. I mean, you have to kind of be able to shift for your students. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I've noticed that too, where when I teach a, a hip hop class, let's say it's, it's very much determined by whatever song I pick, which is like whatever I vibed with at that time. Whereas for teaching yoga, it's totally different because it's not like you don't want that person to get lost in the song because you still want them to stay focused on their breath and the flow. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I find that the music that I lean to, whether it's like an EDM or an R&B, 
it's usually one that has fewer words like yes. an instrumental or just like yeah more beat focused yeah definitely more soulful i feel well i haven't i'm not a yoga instructor but i would love to i would love to i mean i've seen some of your clips and i think it's really inspiring i guess you also get into that importance of you know listening to the beats per minute of songs right mm-hmm. i'm not sure if that's something that you do but like for cycling that's what we do like everything is time to the beat so the way that we construct our classes it's really particular to the beats per minutes of each song and even the choreo it's timed that way um but yeah it's really um it's really interesting <laughs> yeah yeah i didn't even know because i've only taken two or so cycling classes and one of them yeah one of them is like the big one here in new york it's still cycle mm-hmm. and then my business partner for the dance studio in la she teaches at sweat cycle which is a yeah. heated cycling class so that was like a crazy wow double heated cycling class yeah i thought hot yoga was intense but adding yeah cycling to that uh yeah and i i didn't know that there was a whole kind of philosophy to it where there's like the beats and then there is kind of this choreography vibe and then there's also this motivational yes yeah that motivation is a really big one that i didn't know yeah i was reading an article uh, a few days ago about soul cycle classes and one of the students mentioned that they go to soul cycle classes um 30 percent for the workout and the rest is just for motivational inspiration so um yeah there are those types of classes that are just more focus on motivation and speaking to your students and i feel it's less about the choreo it's really about that movement finding that passion and movement so that's really interesting but yeah we try to mix it up a bit so i try to still bring in that inspirational aspect and at the same time give them a crazy killer workout that makes them want to come back more well hopefully <laughs> yeah you give everybody gets a little bit out of the class a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what would be like if we were in a class right now, what would be something that you would say to keep to keep us going? I always say this. I don't know if my students are tired of it, but I always say, find freedom in your sprints or find passion in your movement. So there are these um, songs that we play where it's like about 260 BPM, really fast. And um, you have to kind of meet us up on third. I'm not sure if you've experienced this in Soul Cycle, but when you meet someone up on third, it's normally the chorus of the song or when the drop happens and you lift yourself up on that saddle and you're just sprinting, <laughs> sprinting for your life. And basically I tell them to just find their passion when they're up on third and try not to focus too much on the pain or how tiring that can be, but kind of shift that towards passion and movement. So yeah, that's something I always say. Um, but yeah, it keeps me going, man. I can stay up there for two minutes whenever I say that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds powerful. And I feel like it is, I mean, I need, maybe I need to go to a cycling class after all of this is done and like experience it for myself. But I feel like yeah, there, there are a lot of commonalities that I'm hearing at least with, with yoga where there is this idea of you're trying to like move through different vibrations or frequencies through the body and you know you try to match that with 
with the music, like the yes, you. And then usually yeah. when you get to like a peak of it, that's the fastest part. And you're usually around like the heart opening area. And that's when you like, I like know. A little. yeah, I love it. I went to a class actually recently. Well, before the lockdown happened in the studio here in Manila, shout out to other movement. They're amazing, by the way. Um, so they're one of the few studios here in the Philippines that actually do that type where they do it like for, for beats per minute and it's just like candlelit and it's like music and it mm. flows. Um, first time I've ever experienced that. And wow, hands down, I really just felt lost in the music because most of the yoga classes I used to go to is Ashtanga, Vinyasa. I love Ashtanga, but normally I, I do not play music when I do Ashtanga. Right, like it's really more focused on you with the like instructor, very just single flowing. Focus, yeah. yeah, but I mean, you're in New York, and I feel like that's like the melting pot for all different types of fitness concepts. So I feel like you're more in the game. Oh, I <laughs> so- guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so my my training was in an Ashtanga influence Vinyasa certification. And it was that one of my teachers is going to be on the podcast too, because one of the reasons why I picked that one is the, one of the teaching faculty was a Filipino guy. And that's very rare to see a guy instructor, a Filipino instructor, and he was very inspirational in his athleticism with Ashtanga. He can do like the third series and crazy all of that crazy stuff. So I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. (laughs) I'm trying to get half primary down. I'm not yet. Uh, I don't know. I take my pauses when I'm in Ashtanga, but it's a it's a beautiful movement. I feel like a lot of people need to need to get into it. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, it is the nice thing, I guess, that I realized that I'm kind of spoiled or privileged here is that everyone has, even within that one studio, there were people who had different lineages and different approaches to music and teaching and and flows. So yeah, it really just goes to show that who you are as an individual can really show up no matter what you're teaching, like whether it's cycling or... Definitely. Yeah. But I feel like as a teacher, that's what people look for, right? It's that identity, that specific um, characteristic that they just get from one instructor. And that's what makes them come back, right? They try to find that link with that instructor, that special relationship. And so, yeah, I think that's really important too. And was there that person for you in cycling who became like, a big teacher, teacher mentor for you? So when I got into the cycling industry with Paragon, I was lucky enough to meet the Taw brothers. So they're these amazing brothers from Vancouver. Yeah, they just migrated to Canada and they decided to bring back spinning here into the Philippines. Like we do have a couple spin studios here, but Paragon is definitely different on its own. So they were, we were lucky enough um, to be trained by a soul cycle instructor from Vancouver, actually. Not sure if I can mention the name, but if you know who you are and you're listening, well, I love <laughs> you. Thank you. But basically, he, he is everything to me. He's my inspiration in this movement. Like Everything that he's taught us, I, I bring out every single day in my classes. He was able to kind of come up with that Paragon branding. Like he developed our own Paragon branding with the way that we cycle. Even if he was a soul cycle instructor, he was able to dissect our branding and just turn it into like this 
I don't know, this unique one here in the Philippines. So without him, we wouldn't be who we are today. So thank you. Can't say the name, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And I, I, that was the other thing I was thinking of when we decided to, yeah, come onto the show together is that I haven't really seen, I mean, it's been a few years since I've been back to the Philippines and I don't remember cycling really being a thing there. Yeah. So I'm wondering, yeah, like how, how does the branding serve like that Filipino identity and how does it, yeah, reach out to the people who maybe there have never experienced a soul cycle or any other mm-hmm. class other than um, maybe their first time taking it with you? Well, cycling here, I think, has been existing since 2015, 2014. It started out with Electric Studio. And then we have like other things like Ride Rev that came in. We are relatively new. We started 2017. I wouldn't say that our branding is really fitting to the Filipino culture. I feel like when the brothers created it, it was really about bringing in something from Vancouver, bringing in something from the U.S., here to the Philippines. But the way that we teach, I feel like is very relatable to Filipinos. So when it comes to Filipino identity and how it informs my work, I feel like if I was an instructor in the US, it would be more evident. Like you could see kind of like, oh, she's teaching a bit differently. This is a different style to us. But since I'm a Filipino teaching other Filipinos here in our community, I feel like the way that um, I teach, that common identity is shared. So it's not mm. so much evident that she's, oh, she's a Filipino instructor. <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like that's an important part of kind of building the community around spinning. You play music that's relatable, your choice of language as well. Um, yeah, and the messaging and as well as aesthetics, it has to be relatable to the Filipino culture. So yeah, I guess it boils down to the type of music, um, the way I teach my classes. It's what's trending now here in the Philippines, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah but it's not very evident that I'm a Filipino instructor here in the Philippines because, I mean, I am Filipino. <laughs> yeah, there's like that that piece that you don't have to explain to your students yeah. because it, you all share that. that together, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But then again, yeah, what we offer is different from the other studios here because most of the studios here are homegrown. So they really started here in the Philippines. Um, but we're one of those studios that kind of brought branding from abroad here to the Philippines. And then we mixed it up with some of our personal style. And that's how Paragon happened. So there is kind of not, I wouldn't say soul cycle influence, but it's just kind of like, yeah, there's something different with the way that we, I mean, with the way that we conduct our classes because we were trained by someone from overseas. Yeah, it has like an international kind of feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so like I'm wondering to just like if you're walking into a class, is most of it taught in English or is there like Daglish? Uh, like a little mix? It's or? definitely taught in English, but okay. um I do bring out some Taglish words here and there. Like they find it really funny, especially coming from me. I'm not the best Filipino speaker out there. When I say things like Terena, let's go, um, it kind of catches them off guard. So they laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, I mean I am kind of like that type of instructor, I guess, here in the Philippines. I like to crack up some jokes, some local jokes, and here and there. But definitely the mode of teaching is in English. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that's helpful because the audience that's most likely hearing this is probably American or, you know, maybe Canadian and hopefully too in the Philippines all across. Yeah. 
but I think that's helpful. Yeah. For people to hear that not everyone who is based in the Philippines, it speaks Tagalog or, or any of the, like there are Filipinos who in the Philippines who their, their main language is, is English. Like, yeah, actually, are, mo- yeah. most most of us actually speak in English when we're instructing. I don't think I've ever come to a class where they're actually teaching in Filipino, but that would be really interesting. I feel like that would be, um, yeah, very unique experience. I would love to get into that. But yeah, if you're ever thinking of teaching here in the Philippines, don't worry, it's, it's mostly in English. Um, but yeah, it helps to kind of understand the language as well, especially if you're trying to create a long-lasting relationship with your students. Um, yes, you do come across people, of course, that prefer to speak in Filipino. So yeah, that's where I feel a bit more challenged because my Filipino is not deep. It's not, it's not there, but I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, that's an inspiring tip for, I think, a lot of us to hear too. It's like, we're all working. I have something I worked on. <laughs> we're all trying to get by. <laughs> yeah. <But> yeah. <laughs> and I wonder, you know, along that whole line of because there, everybody has the, the shared Filipino identity there, there's less of the having to explain yourself. But I wonder if there are any other barriers or things that you might need to navigate. Yeah, well, I think the biggest factor of being an instructor is how much you're going to make, right? How you're mm-hmm. able to make a living. Um, I feel like in the U.S., it's easier to make more money um, even looking at the pricing, like how um, classes are priced or packages are priced, I feel like you would make more. And I feel like there are more incentives to that. Um, here in the Philippines, it's more challenging to lead a, a whole career based on fitness, I'd say. Like most of us have full-time jobs. Like I know people who are lawyers. Like I have a colleague who's a lawyer, a full-time lawyer and part-time cycling instructor. Wow. Um, so you'll come across people like that. That's how we make a living on top of our jobs as well. Like how we can kind of splurge in a monthly basis because we have that extra income to hold on to. But I also come across people who do who do various um fitness concepts for a living like I know someone who's a yoga instructor and at the same time a physical therapy coach or you know like there are people that do make a living with it. so I don't want you to feel like you can't it's just definitely more challenging I think versus um, doing it full-time in the U.S. Even yeah for me it's the same thing I still have my full-time job and then yeah and then the dance studio and now this with the podcast and yoga so yeah I feel like that is something especially if you live in a in a big city like New York or Manila it's it is very much that like hustle and grind culture that most people probably have a side hustle or two Yeah, but it's like our alter ego, right? So we have our full-time mode corporate. Then you, you get to the bathroom, switch to your fitness gear, and you're like, this whole Stephanie um, version 2.0 or something. <laughs> so it's, it makes life more interesting. Yeah, you so, do. I mean, I'm going to say, as somebody who's seen the, some of your pictures, you do look like a superhero when... <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> so, but, yeah, but it's what make it what's helped. I don't know. Well, it helped me get by my corporate job. If I didn't become a cycling instructor, I don't think I have that outlet. So this, it's these types of jobs that kind of remind us to do something that we love. Like it's so important to follow our passions, right? So that's why I do what I do, man. I wish I could do this full time. I wish I could. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think that is important that you find in yoga, it's like what you take on the mat, you take off the mat. And the, the mm-hmm. lessons that you learn when you are sweating and pushing and all of that really, you know, if you can really integrate it, like when you take that shavasana at the end and really have that time to let all the information soak in, it, it can, yeah. yeah, it can really help you in other areas of your life for sure. Yeah. I wonder what are the, what are the things that you've sensed that have been some positive changes and shifts from this experience of teaching cycling? The biggest one for me would be the way that I love my body. Honestly, I think that still is the biggest takeaway from all of this, like all of the sacrifice I put in with teaching because I have struggled with body image issues for quite some time already. Like body positivity has always been a big question mark for me for the past five years. And um, coming off from the modeling industry since I was a teenager, I feel like that really took a hit, you know, um, with the way that I view my body, with the way how I view my body, um, with the way that I love my body as well. Um, So with cycling, I was able to really, I don't know, embrace my body. It changed the way that I viewed food as well, you know, like food before was like, okay, I can only have a certain amount of calories a day, so I won't gain weight. But the way that I look at food now is I need to eat so I can fuel my body, so I can go up on third and stay up for five minutes. <laughs> um, so that really is the biggest change for me. And honestly, like I wouldn't, I don't know, I just wouldn't be as happy as I am now if it wasn't for cycling. Yeah. That sounds beautiful. I mean, yeah, and we've known each other for a little bit. I think when we met, it was before, maybe right when you started to take cycling. And I have definitely seen this kind of glow, energy, vibration from you that is, yeah, it's beautiful to see your journey. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I feel like my body has gone through a roller coaster. Like, uh, people don't believe this, but when we first met, I was about 20 pounds, 25 pounds heavier. Yeah, drinking excessively and just absolutely lost, like completely lost. Um, But now I feel like, yeah, I've just found my flow and I've found that, I don't know, I just feel more comfortable in my skin. And I guess, yeah, I mean, now that you say that, that you found your flow, I wonder where this flow is taking you next now that this kind of, this chapter is, is coming to a close fairly soon. Yeah. Well, right now with fitness, I think it's going to be kind of a question mark. Well, I definitely will continue to keep moving, but I am moving to the UK soon um, to pursue my master's in digital marketing, which is something I've really been passionate for. Um, So yeah, this is a big step for me. I'm actually supposed to be moving next Friday, (laughs) but uh, I'm also uncertain of the UK if they're going to go on lockdown. So there's also a big question mark on that. With cycling, though, I'm, I really hope I can still teach um, overseas, but it will be definitely be a challenge. Um, I still have to check my apartment. Will they allow me to bring in a spin bike? All these things. So, yeah, but definitely I'm exploring more opportunities with fitness. If I could get into yoga, I mean, why not? Yeah, I mean, I don't. that was one of the things that I was thinking of, too, is how what a cycling at home practice looks like because in comparison I found the transition of an at-home yoga practice to be pretty easy and there's actually some benefits to being at home like I can practice a headstand on a wall 
Whereas I couldn't mm-hmm. really do that in a pack studio or I could yeah. use more props and I can pause a video and I can just kind of go off the script a little bit and, and do my own thing. Whereas, yeah, I'm wondering for cycling, what, what does that look like? Well, it's definitely a challenge. I'm not going to lie because part of cycling is really being in the studio. It's the light, it's the darkness, it's mm. seeing others vibing with you. It's having that pack you know, that team spirit. Being at home, it's definitely more challenging because your bedroom is just on your left or some people actually cycle in their bedroom. So yeah, that is the challenging part. But um, I have been able to get by. I feel like I still am able to share that same energy that I share when I'm in the studio. But definitely there are just some times when you feel like, oh, well, it's a bit weird, right? Because my dad's getting food in the kitchen. And I can see him on my left eye, but I'm just going to keep going on this sprint. And then you hear the telephone ring. So there are definitely uh, more distractions. But yeah, I have been able to get by. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that kind of resilience helps because, you know, I think it's like that same kind of on the, off the bike, on the bike kind of thing that if you can still be focused while you're you're, you know, having that class and that community, even while all the things happen and maybe now it's not internal in your body, maybe now it's more external of like, you know, how do you just not get into your dad making a sandwich on the side? Yeah, I know. That's why I had to buy like strip lights. I have like these alien LED lights, like just to make my, yeah. So there were things that I had to do in order to make my room feel more like a studio. And I feel like a lot of people have been doing that. They have been lighting their diptyque candles, you know, setting things up differently. But whatever whatever floats our boat, right? <laughs> like whatever makes this feel more like a studio. <laughs> so that's been interesting as well, seeing what my students have been doing to make their houses or homes feel more like a studio. Yeah, I, for me, it's a whole row of houseplants. <laughs> that's my little studio wall in my living room. <laughs> And then oh, it's like, man. yeah, I feel like that that is like a plus and a minus that you do. I mean, if people turn on their their cameras, you do get this like intimate look into somebody's home and you get to see them. You get to see your students in a, in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, that that is really interesting. Like you get to see their characters <laughs> even. Yeah, it's just different, you know, the way they are in the studio and the way they are on Zoom. It's a completely different territory. And if anyone wanted to, maybe they're listening to this and they're thinking, and, you know, by the time that they hear this, it'll be in the new year and maybe things are all reopened. Oh my hopefully. God, fingers crossed. And we're back to 100% capacity. I'm wondering if, if someone is listening to this and they're interested in taking a similar path with cycling, what, what advice would you give to them? Um, well, first and foremost, I hope things get better next year. Like fingers, super, super crossed. Um, but yeah, in regards to your question, I feel like if you find happiness in this path or a similar path, you have to take steps towards it. Like it's absolutely normal to doubt yourself, most especially if this is something new to your routine. Like you could be um, a lawyer, like I mentioned, or uh, working in a mall like I was. And this would be an added thing to your routine. It's normal to question it. But I can't stress it enough that 
with everything going on around us, it's it's important to overcome these doubts and strive towards your goals and the things that you're passionate for. So if this is something that you're looking into, definitely get into it. Put on those cycling shoes, get on that bike and start being inspirational. <laughs> but, you know, like I mentioned, this, this it's a crazy time that we live in. These yeah. are insane times. Life is short, even if you want to doubt that, but life is short and we need to keep living each day like it is our last. So do things that make you happy. Yeah, that's, mm. that's, that's my little piece. <laughs> yeah, I felt like I was on, on third for a sec listening to that. <laughs> yes, Shavasana. <laughs> yes, I'm integrating this lesson. <laughs> uh, and we like to end the conversation with three questions. They're, they're pretty ahead. rapid fire, so whatever oh, no. comes to your mind, although we, from our experience, they haven't been as rapid as we thought they would be. But the okay. first one is, what is your favorite Filipino word? Um, what does it mean and why does it have a, a special meaning for you? I feel like what I've been saying a lot is tara. It's like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, that's something I've been saying a lot before um, I start my classes, before I clip on. Like, tara, let's go, guys. Let's, let's, let's bike. Let's ride. So, yeah, I think it's tara right now. Nice. I mean, you're about to tara to UK. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm tara to UK. Yeah, that's a big change. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then our other one is, um, how is Kapwa showing up in your life today? And for those that don't know, the show is, has Kapwa in the name because it is the Filipino wisdom of shared inner self. Well, I just feel like it's about, yeah, bring more of that kapwa energy into doing things towards um, big moves or um, things that I'm more passionate for. Um, it's not moving towards the doubts or my incapabilities or imposter syndromes, but it's just really focusing on turning those doubts into positive energy. Um, using those doubts to move me in my everyday classes or in my everyday um, routines. Um, now that I'm making a big move to the UK, that's some big couple energy that I need to um, channel. So that's something I'm working on. Yeah, I feel like this this shift for you is is very much the yeah the meaning of Kapwa. Like by understanding who you are, which it feels like you've been doing a lot of that work over these past few yeah. years. It'll help you in whatever environment you move to next. Or that is what I see as an intention <laughs> for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope. <laughs> and the last one that we like to close it with is what is the biggest lesson that you are learning these days? I think it's patience, you know. <laughs> since March I feel like every time the president gets on TV we're all like oh my god what is he gonna say are we in um, ECQ general community quarantine is he turning is he closing down the airports um, it's been patience patience with myself mm. patience with what's happening around us yeah patience with my timeline as well I've been so antsy with my visa I haven't gotten it yet it's supposed to come, well, it was supposed to come yesterday. So I am trying to train myself to be more patient. But yeah, that's the biggest lesson of this decade. I tell you, it's patience. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can all, you know, whoever is listening to this right now, we could all use, yeah, benefit from more patients. And there is something to be said for, I might have mentioned it in another episode, but this idea of mirroring, where you look into another person and you see a reflection of yourself. And by giving someone or treating them with patience, you're giving yourself permission to, to be patient with yourself and the things that you can't control either. So, yeah, I think that's a really good one to, to end the conversation on. Meet me up on third. That was a great one. <laughs> yes. I, I'm going to use it now, probably out of context, because I'm not really familiar with segue. Your students will be like, meet me up on what? On third? <laughs> no. I thought we third. were in downward facing dog. What does third mean? <laughs> well, is, is there, before we end, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to bring to the conversation to kind of close things? Not really. I feel like we've touched on a lot, actually. A lot more than I thought we would. Uh, this has been a very interesting conversation. But I feel like, yeah, it's been really important for me because I have been looking for this type of conversation for a while. I haven't seen my friends. I haven't been drinking with people. There haven't been any intellectual conversations recently, except with myself. So nice. this has been great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very, you know, I'm very grateful that we got to be in Kappa together. Uh, we got to be a little patient with each other. And uh, yeah, I really wish you the best with the move and the whole transition. And I know that you are already, everything that you that you need, you already have. So you know, going there is just a, a change of geography, but yeah, I'm very excited to see you flourish wherever you go next. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I will channel my inner Kapwa and I will meet everyone up on third when I get there. <laughs> I will not forget this. Thank you so much for this opportunity. My first podcast. Thank you. First of many. <laughs> first of many. Yes. I'll start my next channel, my, my own channel next year. I'm just kidding. <laughs> thanks again thank you and that was today's episode thank you so much to Steph for joining the conversation all the info mentioned for her Instagram will be included in the show notes if you like what you heard and feel called to connect further subscribe leave a 5 star review for the podcast and follow us on Instagram at kapwa.yoga we host an IG Live after show the Monday after the episode is released, and it's a great way for you to be involved in the conversation with us. We also just recently joined Clubhouse, an audio-based social platform, and you can connect with us there at Kapwa Convos with a K. This podcast is a part of Kapwa Yoga, a movement and mindfulness practice that integrates my background in dance, yoga, and organizational psychology. You can check out our website, www.kapwa.yoga, to find out more about our services. A special thank you to Uga for the theme song and episode production. You can find him on Instagram at uga.xyz. Thank you for listening. Maraming salamat. And catch you in the next conversation.